0: You're listening to The Packernet Podcast Network
1: It's only a kick A jump A block It's only a serve It's only a tackle A run It's only for the fans After all, it's only pressure you got this, Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the PackerNet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore dead Well, the primary goal of today is to go through the Pat McAfee show. Um, Usually the the goal is never to let it go on the entire time. Um, But considering it's basically a half hour um, interview and I talk for you know, two thirds of an episode with my ramblings and rantings, good chance it it just ends up taking the whole time. We'll see how it goes. I don't know. A lot of the conversation, just like much of what we've done here, especially if you've been listening to Packernet after dark, not a lot of interest in football and football related questions and things. So they kind of get off into tangents and obviously a lot of ayahuasca talk because that's just becoming a very tired joke, but it's still going on. But I actually want to start with something else. And this is for the Detroit Lions. Um, I saw this on the Twitters. And everybody's like, oh, that's so funny. This is like the funniest thing ever. The Lions are so quirky and goofy and silly. And it's, you know, it's kind of like when the cute girl in high school, like some guy is a complete idiot, but he's attractive. And she's like, oh, he's so funny. It's like, no, he's, he's mentally disabled. But she can't tell because, you know, whatever. The... And guys do that, too, by the way, like, you know, complete ditz blonde chick. And it's like, oh, dude, she is so deep. (laughs) Like, what? No, she's not. She's uh, pretty. But everybody's obsessed with the Lions, right? They're winning and and the coach is awesome and everything is awesome. And I listen to this video. and I'm like, this isn't a good thing. (laughs) Nothing that was said in this video is a good thing. But here's here is the video. Uh,
0: here's another thing that happened. These things happen during the game, but um, so we're in that that situation, and the fans are doing the wave um, around the stadium, and so I'm just watching, and I hear Ben Johnson's like, "Hey, coach, you want to and I and I'm just I'm so focused on the wave, and I said, "Yeah, that's fine," and I look up, and we're throwing it to Panay, and I'm like, "What?" The we doing <laughs> <laughs> of time. so but it worked out great uh it was
1: unbelievable Now don't get me wrong that's a funny story but if i'm a lions fan i'm not i don't find that endearing first of all as a packer fan not a big fan of doing the wave while we're on offense right i get it you're a garbage football team you've never had success you're beating the vikings you're excited don't do that i mean well keep doing it i guess also, I'd kind of ponder to myself, I wonder if that's where all that stuff started with the Packers is that really, really rough stretch in, in the uh, 70s and 80s. And Packer fans are like, I don't know, let's find some fun stuff to do. So they start playing polka and they start uh, putting cheese on their heads and they start doing the wave. And then it's just become cultural. And now that the team's good, they, it's like, well, I grew up doing this. And younger fans like me are like, I don't care what you did before I was born. We're good now. Knock it off, gramps. All right stop it. Well, we were bored in the 70s. I don't care. I don't care. But beyond that, and again, he's saying these are things that happen. You know, Maybe it happens a lot in the NFL. I don't know. But you didn't hear your offensive coordinator who asked you if you wanted to run this play, and you said, yeah, sure, whatever. And you didn't care because you're too busy watching the wave. That play iced the game, I'm pretty sure. It was a pretty important play. Now, I guess you could just say he just has complete faith in his offensive coordinator. He, he 90% of the, 99% of the time, he's like, yeah, sure, yeah, sure, yeah, sure, whatever. But on this particular play, I would probably have checked in. And again, the fact, that, <laughs> the fact that you're, I don't know, I was too busy watching the wave to pay attention to the football game that we're playing. I don't know. Again, it's a funny story, but that's it's a little scary. And again, he's, he's saying, what the, what, what the F are we doing? Yeah, dude, that's why you got to pay attention a little bit. That's why you should probably listen, (laughs) and you probably will going forward. But uh, yeah, I didn't, uh, I found it funny, but not quite as as cute as maybe uh, everybody else did. My thought was, dude, that's kind of embarrassing. It's one of those things you don't say out loud, maybe, but okay. Anyways, why don't we just go ahead and get into it? Uh, We're just going to start from the beginning, I think. First question, how was bye week?
0: Thanks. It was refreshing. It was great. You know, we got to get out early and uh, had a light day yesterday. Really a travel day. Uh, Today was an easy day. We're going with the today is a Monday type uh, schedule. So you know, was in there putting in the work today. Hell yeah! And uh, just got home in time to sit with you guys.
1: What you did. So just to be clear. And I'm not going to try to sound too complainy about this, but there is a notion that if you have a bye week, you should be a really, really good football team coming out of it. The Packers have been a historically garbage team coming out of a bye week. To be clear, the only people that get, an, get extra time to prepare, I shouldn't say get extra time, they all have extra time. The only people that you can guarantee are utilizing that extra time are the coaches. And maybe. <laughs> it's a good chance the coaches might be taking a week off also. Meaning the bye week has no real advantage other than to get your your body um, healthy, which could have negative effects as well. There is a thing called being in game shape and everything else, and it's possible. I don't know how long it takes to get out of game shape, but maybe a week of hanging out on the couch doesn't necessarily uh, help that. Again, I'm not being critical of Roger saying he took some time to relax. I'm just trying to give us the proper perspective here. And yes, maybe there is something uniquely bad about the Green Bay Packers in the way that they handle their bye week, players and coaches, in that there is an expectation of being better after a bye and the Packers are consistently much worse after a bye. And to be honest, just listening to everything from Rodgers saying, yeah, I just kind of took some time to kind of just relax to the fact that they were traveling back. Yesterday was like a travel day and a light day. Well, usually, unless you win the game, Monday is a practice, and um, they had a kind of a light. So, I mean, there, there's potentially kind of less practice and preparation for the players after a bye week than on a regular week. And I have to assume when he's talking about you know hitting it hard on on Tuesday or whatever, a lot of it is just kind of making sure we're we're back in the swing of things, we're ready to go. Like you know, remember the, the getting getting re-acclimated with the speed of the game the physicality all that kind of stuff although you can't really get back into physicality because you can't do that in practice but anyways just some perspective into how the bye week works it's not a week of of grinding it's a week of unwinding and and again that may be the case for the coaches too in which case that sucks a lot
2: you were not in a cave you're not doing what you just got away just got away put the phone down just kind of uh...
0: i just got away i got the grid uh you know, went to the beach, worked on my tan, and uh, you know, wore a lot of tank tops. Which cool. I don't know if you're wearing one today, but uh, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, showed off my belly button a little bit and had a good time.
2: Oh, nice! I'm happy to hear. All
1: right, so we've firmly established that, right now. Who knows? I'm sure there was some some level of physical activity involved in that, and sticking to your diet, I'm sure, is part of the requirement, whether or not. Players follow that, I don't know. And, and listen, the reason I'm being critical is that the Packers are uniquely worse than other teams coming out of a bye. Whether that's because of, of the coaching staff not having high enough expectations, or the players not respecting the coaching staff enough to listen to that. Maybe they hit a little too hard in the bye week. I'm not talking weight training, I'm talking about the bottle of tequila, I'm talking about the Patron. I don't know what it is, but it's something. However, I don't think it's unique on a bye week for guys to want to just chill out and hit the beach. By the way, how freaking cool is it to be Aaron Rodgers? The guy right now is living in Green Bay, Wisconsin. He gets a week off of work and he's like, yeah, I'm just going to hop on a plane, go to Cali. Does he still have that house? I think he sold the house in California, right? I don't know. Maybe he didn't go to Cali. I don't think he said California, but he went to the beach. Anytime you want. Dude, I would be tempted to do that. Like after a win, you get off on a Monday. I've, I've thought about doing this and I'm not even super rich. I've thought about just after work, like if I could talk my wife into it, just being like, I want to drive to the airport, get on a plane, fly to Florida, spend a couple hours at the beach, get on a plane, come home. Can I do that, please? In fact, I think I talked to her kind of about that as a joke one time. And she's like, you wouldn't want to come home. You'd need to get a hotel for a night or something. Be like, oh, yeah, (laughs) probably it's true. But, you know, they play on Sunday. If they win, they get off on Monday, especially if it's a home game. Or maybe even if it's not, you got to get on a plane to go back to Green Bay. Let's say you're out in, uh, tennessee playing the titans and everybody's like all right we got to get on the plane and go back he's like i'll tell you what i'll catch you back in green bay i'm gonna catch a different flight and you hop on a flight down to to the bahamas that, that, eh, that's a little risky you don't want to go out of the country you got to be back kind of quick and you don't have to deal with customs and you know passports and all that kind of stuff but you know you go to the F- F- florida key, go to miami just go to miami that's a little dangerous i don't know go somewhere a little more quiet doesn't matter it doesn't matter where you go you know it's a noon game you get there by uh now, you, you probably wouldn't get there till late, even if you, you know, by the time you get to the airport, you get on your, you get boarded on the plane, you fly to wherever you're going, you get off, you get a a car. So then you'd have to do something on Monday, but you'd have to be back Monday. So maybe you couldn't do that. I don't know. If you played a Thursday game, point is, it's cool to be Aaron Rodgers, especially if you're talking private jets. That's the thing. You don't need to deal with like all the, You can get on a, you know, you're supposed to get to the airport early and get your tickets and all that. If you can get a private jet, I would have somebody drive me to the airport. I would walk on the plane. He would fly me there. I would walk off the plane. I would have a car waiting for me there. He would take me right to the beach. I would have one little bag and it would be a change of clothes. And I'd hang out for as long as I possibly could. And that driver would just be chilling there. In fact, I would bring him a change of clothes and be like, it's weird that you're just sitting there. Why don't you get it? Don't hang out with me because I don't know you and I want to be alone right now. But I got you a swimsuit. Go hang out. And, um, you know. And then, we'll, then we'll hit it. You get back in the car, go straight to the plane, get right on the plane, fly straight to Green Bay, get off. Car takes you back to wherever it is you're going, your, your house. It's a good life. Anyway, speaking of not football things, here's uh, A.J. Hawk.
0: Hey, I, I was just wondering, this is not really a football question, but are you scared of dying? I'm just curious after your ayahuasca trip, did you confront your death? Like, does, it tell you, does it make you feel better about dying? Great question. I don't know where that question is. And came from? Have you been sitting on that for weeks or something? Well, no. Let me. Like two minutes before this. <laughs> yeah. Full chance. Uh, it's actually a great question. I had a major uh, fear of death. I don't know if any of you guys felt this way, but kind of our age group. But there was a, and maybe it's just the way I grew up, but there was a lot of weird sentiment around Y2K. Remember that yeah. the world was going to end. You oh, yeah. know, and, and mm-hmm. I don't know. For me personally, since I was like a young teenager, I was like, man. If the world ends and I'm 16, like I'm not going to be able to accomplish anything I want to accomplish. I'm not going to go to the NFL. I'm not going to go to college. I'm not going to, you know, meet a woman, fall in love, have kids, have a family, all these things. So I, I think there was like this weird ingrained like fear of like 2000 and fear of like the world ending and death. And and I think we all struggle on, on, uh, with mortality, uh, with the idea of mortality, especially you know, age. You got all those kids running around, and once your kids grow up and have you know, walk your daughter down the aisle and, and, uh, you know, see your boys grow up and, uh, you know, have great high school careers at Centerville and, and oh, wow. uh, you know, and, and go on and be great Ohioans. So yeah, I definitely had to fear of death uh, and and ayahuasca and psilocybin actually really, uh, really helped me with that. And relieved a lot of the stress around the idea of needing to accomplish things, uh, before I actually die and and kind of taking away some of that fear. I think when you've seen the other side, uh, it makes the idea of death more of a passage uh, and and less of an ending, more of just kind of the next chapter uh, of life. To that extent, you know, I know, age, you really got to be close to this guy. Hold on. on. Did you just say
2: ayahuasca makes you see the other side? Like you just said you saw death? Is that what I just heard there?
0: You definitely see the other side, yeah what's it look like i guess it could change like? you i guess if you well, just... I'm, I'm not talking about life and death i'm talking about you know the veil between the seen world and the unseen world
1: all right so a lot was said there um we'll s- i guess save the best for last um the 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 conversation initially intrigued me because rogers and i are about the same age group and he, he mentioned i think he's like a year or two older than me um he mentioned um Maybe people in our specific age group having a fear of this, that, or the other. I don't know if that's true. I am assuming most people at some point have that um, fear. He said for him it was around like sixteen ish. It hit me around like twenty eight, twenty nine. It was about a five year stretch. Let's call it from twenty eight to thirty three, where I was mortified of death. Before that, I always thought it was weird that I wasn't scared. Of it like I knew it was a thing and it was kind of scary, but I just I wasn't actually scared. And then at some point when I was pushing 30, it, it hit me like, dude, you're getting, uh, you're getting old and time is kind of flying by. And as soon as you realize time is flying by and you're hitting milestones as, you know, you're, you're not just an adult, you're, you know, like you're 30. It's like, dude, I'm, uh, this treadmill's kind of flying here and I can kind of see the end of the treadmill over there. I don't know. It super freaked me out, but um, I didn't necessarily have to use psychedelics to get over that. I just kind of got over that. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not looking forward to the pain of death, which is, I'm sure, coming. You know, this painful thing. Don't need to get into the specifics, but it's usually not a pleasant thing. But it's uh, short-lived, whatever. Um, anyways, then he starts talking about how uh, ayahuasca and facilocybin. I thought he said psilocybin or something. I tried to Google it, and Google's just like, I don't know what you're trying to do right now. So I tried to type it like 16 different ways, and it's like, are you trying to say facilocybin? P-S-I-L-O-C-Y-B-I-N, is a naturally occurring psychedelic producing compound produced by more than 200 species of fungi. So it's shrooms. Look, man, believe whatever you want to believe. In a past life, I may or may not have done shrooms. I may or may not have been watching that uh, Will Smith movie. All right, I'll I'll just just tell you this right now. So, I don't want to get too detailed because it's the early show, but I remember being very disappointed because it's not what I thought it was going to be. It reminded me of another experience of, of using a substance that I was not a fan of. Didn't like the way it made me feel at all. It's a much more common one. Maybe you've heard of it. And it was like, it's just like that. And that's that's dumb. I, I don't want to feel like that. Anyways, so they're like, we're going to go for a nature walk because it's super crazy. And they're all having a great time. And I'm like, no, I'm going to sit here and watch this movie because this is stupid. And I'm just going to pile. And I'm watching that Will Smith movie with zombies. And like right in the beginning, the car drives really fast down the street. And then it does like a hard left turn. I'm not kidding you, that car came right out of the TV. And at that moment, I sat up and I'm like, all right, going to be a fun day. I saw um, uh, Family Guy in 3D. The stars were pretty wild that night. And I've never felt um, orange juice roll over my knuckles. I've never felt so comforted in my entire life. But the point is, there's nothing profound about what happened. I broke my brain for a day. When I went outside and looked up at the stars after everybody went to bed, and saw about seven thousand shooting stars of all different colors. That wasn't God talking to me. My brain was broken. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's poison. I poisoned my brain. All right. But, anyways, that was the big talking point: is uh, Aaron Rodgers has seen the other other side, and and he's I don't even understand his his explanation. It's it's the veil between the two worlds or whatever. No, it isn't. Rodgers, come on, man. In fact. I, I, I can absolutely prove this to you. You want to know how? Get a 1,000 people. Put them all in separate areas. Get them all hopped up on drugs. Ask how many of them saw the afterlife. Let's say 400 did. Have them describe it. You know what you're going to find? About 400 different accounts. You know why? Because they didn't see the afterlife. Everything they saw was inside their own brain. Anyways. Anyways, I spent a lot of time talking about Mike Leach. Uh, it feels disrespectful to skip it all, but I am because it's. you can go watch it if you want to watch it. Uh, I feel compelled to do it for the sake of Mike Leach, but I'm not going to. So just know that I'm not trying to be disrespectful by cutting that part out. But uh, it just doesn't really, not sure the afterlife thing did either, but I just felt like talking about it. So that's why we played. But I I will say it is a terrible thing. Uh, I didn't realize that there was anything uh, going on with Mike, Uh, Mike Leach, not on a first name basis with him. But obviously a name everybody's familiar with, even if if, uh, not fully understanding everything about the guy. I've taken a, a very brief stint uh, running through some of his, you know, accomplishments and what he's done and everything else, just kind of doing a wiki search and then kind of branching off from there a little bit, but it's it it, it is very cool what he's been able to do and what he has done, so sad to hear about his passing. Last Tuesday, take the bye week in. Now
2: here we are, back in the end of the season, still in it, still ahead of you. What did you take away from that Bears win, and is it still something that's special? And afterwards, you said, you don't know how many more of these you have. So was that just about rivalry games, big-time games of Chicago, or games as a whole, Aaron Rodgers?
0: That's about eight different questions, so I'm trying to figure out which one I want to attack first. There. You're really becoming a media uh, personality there, Pat. All that work on game day is paying off for you, but uh, really, it's always it's I feel always like fun being a a big... shot.
2: I feel like that was a shot. I do feel like nah, that
0: was a shot. Not at all. But yeah, I, it seems like always it. Fun, always fun being Chicago. Always fun winning in Soldier Field. Uh, good comeback for us. Fourth quarter, we played uh, winning football. I think that the thing that's uh, that feels good is being able to play meaningful games in December. You know, it's been obviously a difficult season, frustrating. But the fact that, you know, we're now in the mid-December and we have meaningful games coming up is great. Obviously, we need some help from some teams and have to win out. Uh, But, you know, there's a lot that can change in a week. And if the momentum can start to go in our favor and we can stack a couple of these in a row, you never know what can happen. And that's that's exciting. But as far as I said after the game, you know, it's fun. When I got to the rivalry, obviously – uh, with the, the 16 years of Brett, they closed the gap uh, wow. on the all-time series. But you know, to be a part of such a historic rivalry, to switch the all-time rivalry in our favor now plus ten, I believe, in the all-time win-loss against them, and to be you know one up in the all-time 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 uh, wins is uh, is pretty cool as well. So a lot of a lot of milestones last Sunday.
1: So that kind of speaks for itself, you know, Packers and. Uh... Aaron Rodgers is pretty jacked up about that Bears game, as they should be. It does mean a lot. But also, do you feel like kind of a renewed sense of energy coming back from the bye week? And and does it feel like in the locker room, like everyone does realize like, hey, we still have a lot to play for here?
0: I think so. I think everybody felt a little bit more up last week uh, before the Bears game and then you know, we went out, had a good performance, and then getting a bye week and be able to get away, and, and the fact that we didn't have to do you know practice on you know Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or anything, any nonsense like that was nice. Uh, and uh, there was real good energy in there today. I mean, we we realized, listen, we had, we had a lot to play for, but we also need some help. We can't control that part, um, but we got three or four, three out of four at home. And we obviously always expect to win our home games, and definitely expect to win once once the weather turns. So, you know, get this get this one, and then got a warm weather game in in Miami, and and then things could start to get interesting.
1: Oh, um, so the energy thing. First of all, it's entirely possible that this is all just hindsight, right? It's entirely possible that. Whenever we win, Rogers says, oh yeah, we had a lot of energy in that game, clearly, because they did, because they won. But it seems to me as though he's talking about you know prior to the game, and I would assume he's not just saying that after the fact that they won. In other words, he is actually noticing it and is being honest about it. And the reason I bring that up is because there there's certainly a parallel between the amount of times the Packers win and the amount of time Rogers goes on Pat McAfee and says that there was a lot of energy prior to that game and if it's not just bias and if it's not just lying and if it's not just him uh kind of looking into the you know reading reading into the past or whatever then it seems to me what this team really needs is to be motivated which is kind of what we've been saying all along all they really need to perform I'm not even going to say at a at a mega high level but to be able to perform well enough to be a team that could would should have uh, been in the playoffs, be in the playoffs, is to have some good energy. Now, there's other factors as well. Christian Watson obviously has been a major component to this offense. The defense hasn't really been a component. They haven't been getting better. Um, I, I, I haven't specifically heard Rodgers break down who it is that has the energy, if it's the offense, the defense, the special teams, certain people, certain this, certain that. I'm sure it's not everybody, but there's a general energy going on. But... You know, uh, on one hand, it's disappointing because had they just played with a little bit more fire, had they just even leaned on on Christian a little earlier, maybe this would have been um, different. Maybe not. I mean, Rogers seems to think of it as, you know, that one play on that one week really turned things around. There's no saying whether he catches that pass in Minnesota. Maybe, maybe that would have sparked back then and that would have changed the whole trajectory of the season. I don't know. Maybe it wouldn't have had the impact because he wasn't quite mature enough or ready enough or whatever. I don't know. Who knows? But overall, I think it's just generally kind of disappointing that I don't want to say it's something trivial, but but something that is controllable, something that is is tangible for anybody. It's You don't need to have 4-3 speed. You don't need to be able to jump through a stadium. You don't need to bench 300 pounds. Your attitude and the team's collective attitude is what is essentially holding this team back or bringing it as low as it is and is keeping it back from being what it could be. Potentially, it sounds like it's been that way for a long time. It just really came to a head this year. That's disappointing, especially considering the uh, the guru of self-talk and, and all that stuff is is the leader of the team. It's disappointing that he, even if he does have the right mentality or whatever, that everybody else doesn't seem to be able to have that figured out. It, it sounds like they have a resource for that kind of stuff. <laughs> you know, it's assuming Rogers is correct or, or whatever, but it doesn't matter. It's just, it's just, it's, it, it doesn't matter at this point, but it's a little disappointing. Henry, he's asked about Baker Mayfield. It's kind of a long answer. I wish I could kind of find a good spot to cut it, but I can't. Um, I don't really care about his thoughts on Baker. I mean, I, I do because we got to play him, but um, his explanation of sort of how the offense works and everything I, I found interesting. Um, and again, it's something that kind of seems correct or has always seemed correct, and it's good to hear Rodgers say it. I would say it's so. So, for the for reference, so we know exactly what's going on. The question was, how difficult was it for Baker to come in as a new quarterback and not really understand um, the the plays to be able to come in and lead a comeback victory like that?
0: Definitely easier for a guy who's played football, you know, played meaningful snaps and, and started. However, I was thinking, I don't think. Uh, that he's been in the system before. Uh, So that must have been really difficult, you know, because everybody had the same types of plays. You know, certain teams, you know, like I felt like we were in the, you know, 2010s where there's certain teams that are the copy teams where you're running different plays and teams start copying you and then those plays go around the league. Um, So everybody runs like the same type of plays, but uh, the terminology is so different and I'm just –
1: so that's that's the crux, and I'll let him continue here. But the the idea that we have vastly different schemes and everything, I just even though it's true, a lot of it comes down to terminology. A lot of the the scheme differences, the plays. You know, I mean, there there may be more emphasis in terms of motion, uh, eleven personnel compared to you know twenty two or what whatever kind of stuff. But but even that, it's minor. It's not like one team runs uh you know ninety percent eleven personnel, the other one runs, you know, um ninety percent twelve personnel. No, pretty much everybody runs eleven. It's just a, a matter of to what degree do you run twelve compared to twenty-one compared to uh whatever, you know, 10 personnel or something. Um and even even the plays, I mean it's there there are variations, but it's largely it's very rare that you'll find the Packers run a play that nobody else runs, or that you know you'll only see the Packers and the Forty uh, ers and the you know the the Shanahan West Coast style are the only ones that run these plays. And then you got the you know Andy Reid, although that's West Coast, but it's a different breed. Do you know? And, and the Patriots they got Earhart Perkins. They run entirely different plays. No, they don't. I think there are different philosophies. There are different um, terminologies, and maybe some differences in terms of plays, especially when you get it on the fringes as far as like trick plays or whatever, like stuff that we might do with Mercedes Lewis or if you have an H-back in your offense or whatever. Um, but even that is more variation. It's the same play, but one, one will do it from an inline tight end spot. The other will do it from an H-back. The other one will have the running back run it or whatever. So I thought that was an important distinction because I think we put too much emphasis on the vastly different scheme difference. And now if you're talking about broad changes between like 3-4 four and 4-3, four, that can have some major implications because, you know, depending on your position, if you're an edge rusher and you're s- strictly an outside linebacker, and, and, and I think that is the, the, the biggest issue is pass rusher isn't really a position. You've got linebackers and you've got defensive ends. And in one scheme, a defensive end is like a defensive tackle. In the other scheme, a defensive end is your edge rusher, is your pass rusher. In one scheme, your outside linebacker is an inside linebacker, is a, you know, is, is one of the three guys that stands in the middle of the field. It would be your Quay Walker, your Devondra Campbell. In the other, your outside linebacker is your pass rusher. It can have big implications on personnel, but even that, you're still running, you know, it's not like some teams run zone, some teams run man. No, everybody runs both, just to different degrees. There's not a team in the league that doesn't have some, you know, single high safety, cover two, cover three, cover four, cover six. They all have some of this stuff. Anyways.
0: I was guessing that he's never been in this type of terminology before. So that makes the win even more impressive. So a lot of, a lot of credit to him coming in on a, what, on a Tuesday and then starting, or not start, but he played and majority of the game on, on Thursday. That's pretty impressive.
2: Was that what it was like when the floor got there? Was it terminology system? What was the, the toughest thing, the terminology?
0: Definitely the terminology. You know, he let me uh, keep the cadence, so that was nice. But, but the terminology, and it wasn't like we were running. Uh...
1: So again, j- just to be clear, Rogers is saying, because we, we changed schemes. What is the most difficult thing about changing schemes? He says that was the terminology. It's not a new playbook that was hard for him. It was the new term- terminology that was the hardest part
0: you know, a bunch of new concepts. Conceptually, it's a very similar league, you know, on offense and defense and teams. There's just different uh, adjustments. We do a lot with our splits, you know. So back in the day, we all we only had a couple of different splits. Now there's, you know, a bunch of different types of splits for the receivers, inside the numbers, on the numbers, outside edge, you know, top of the numbers, plus one, plus two, plus three, blah, 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 you know, all these different condensed formations that we run um, that, that was the biggest uh, difference to pair the, the condensed formations and the, and the motions with the, the new terminology. But when it comes to plays, you know, plays are still plays. And, and a lot of them, based on the intermixing of, of, uh, of some of these systems, a lot of the uh, actually terms kind of stay the same in, in, uh, in offenses.
1: So anyways, I found that interesting because, again, I think we, we tend to overemphasize everything. That's why I always think it's funny whenever we we analyze everything to such a degree and then Gutekunst or Lafleur comes to the podium and they're just kind of like, yeah, I don't know, I haven't really thought about it. Or no, that's not really a thing that I think about. And then you got an NFL head coach saying, I don't know, man, the OC asked me about a play and I was too busy watching the wave. Like, we, we just, we think way too much of, of everything. Anyways, uh, a good spot to take a break. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. If you would like to support this here podcast, it would be greatly appreciated. You can do so for as little as $1 per month, just so you know. We do not yet have a December patron, so you can be the one, the only. What is that song? My one, my only, my something or another? Also, Um, I hate to tease too much, but there might be another giveaway uh, coming, and it's a pretty big one. I just got to get confirmation that he's still okay uh, giving it away, but... um, If you're willing to donate, that would be great. Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry, you can find them at fertilegroundranch.org. Please head over to the website and familiarize yourself with what it is they're doing. See if it's something you'd be willing to support. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment
0: For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
1: So I wanted to play this, um, and again, it's probably going to be taken the wrong way. But it is it is somewhat interesting. They're still talking about the Baker Mayfield thing and how crazy it is that he was kind of being able to figure stuff out. And Rogers again, elaborating on on the the big highlight play, which I'll be honest, I still haven't seen it and probably won't. I don't know. I didn't watch the drive. I don't know. But apparently it had something to do with a go-route. And Rogers like, you know, a go-route's a go-route. So uh, on some level, you know, there's always going to be some level of familiarity. But he kind of elaborates on his experience in 2019 when he was new into the system. And it's funny the example he gives because it's kind of what we all – no, and I think maybe some of us would think that maybe this didn't 100% go away. But, anyways,
0: I mean, there's some plays, and, and honestly, in 2019, there were there were times in certain games we had new concepts where you kind of go back to one or two thoughts you had in the beginning, and like oh, I, could, I know that you know back then I knew that Devonte was over here and running this tag route, so I'm going to hope he wins, and I know for sure what he's doing, and maybe just figure out the rest uh, as it comes in the vision. So
1: again, not saying, I'm just saying that, but, but the point is there is some level of uncertainty, you know, there's going to be a lot of it. If you're Baker Mayfield last week, or if you're Aaron Rodgers in 2019, running kind of different, some different things, plays, terminology, concepts, whatever. But one way to kind of simplify when things aren't going well is to understand one or two things really well and to figure it out from there. Now, I know this isn't 2019, but based on the description that I just gave, does that maybe sound like something that's been going on this year a little bit? When we've watched sort of the low lights, plenty of highlights of Rodgers, but when you've watched the low lights, does that kind of feel like what you're watching? Like maybe there's, whether it's because of his lack of trust in his wide receivers or whatever, there seems to be a, a predetermined thing in his brain. This is what I know. This is what I like. We'll see about the rest. Sometimes, you know, maybe he doesn't see what he likes. and it, For example, the uh, what the heck was that play? I don't—it th- was not the touchdown to—I it it, think we ended up kicking a field goal on that drive. That was the frustration because he could have had a touchdown, I think. But there was a play down by the goal line at some point. No, I'm getting him kind of confused. But the point is, there was a play where he really, really, really wanted something. Maybe it was the touchdown to Watson. I don't know. And he just kind of stared it down and it wasn't there. And he turned and he kind of went to like immediately throw to uh, Dylan and last minute saw that that wasn't open. And then he just pulled it and run. And what it felt like to me is he had predetermined, I'm going to throw to, I think it was Randall Cobb in the corner of the end zone, no matter what. And But if it's just absolutely not there, I'm just going to dump it off to Dylan. That's as far as he got in his mind. It was not open and he was just going to dump it to Dylan. And Dylan was not open. He's sort of his check down and there's a guy just draped all over. At that point, he did not have any other plans. He tucked the ball and he took off and he ran. Maybe that was the play that he went and ran and got yard. I'm not positive. But you could tell, like, there's there's other routes being run. But he had one thing that he's just staring and staring and staring and staring and staring. And then he does, like, a quick turn and throw, but he's like, oh, shoot, that's not the... And after that, it's done. It's, it's I, I have no other plans. I'm out of here. Point is, it just kind of feels like that stuff still goes on, and I'm sure it does for everybody. But I think the, the frustration is the offense is at its peak. When you stick within the structure of the offense, and and I don't mean that in the way that it's been used a lot, I mean it from the standpoint of the play in its entirety starts here and then runs through this way. Everything works as a system. And if you say, I'm only going to take two of those routes, this is the one I like, and if it doesn't work, I'm going to go here, and I'm not even going to think about the others, you're really cutting down the possibility of success. Just, Just my two cents. Uh there was a question very important actual question believe it or not about his thumb here is that comment Common, no tape on the thumb
2: though we are right there how about the the oblique or the whatever the thumb
1: is doing a lot
0: better uh That's good. it's it's uh you know it's it was nice to have that week off the ribs are are doing better too i, I was able to finally start getting some sleep oh here we go we got the slow. Oh, yeah. oh man dude huh you see
1: it? They just showed us slow-mo is what's going on.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Spin that thing. Yeah. Yeah, but my body's felt a lot better. You know, I felt... Look, nobody wants a week 14 buy. Nobody does. But it always feels good coming back after the buy, whether you're 21 or... However the hell old I am now, it's it's nice to get that I'm week off.
2: Happy birthday. 39, I believe, or maybe 38, not 100% sure. What are your thoughts on bye week? You just said week 14 is a little late. There's got-
1: um, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. I'm going to disregard the last part of what he said because I'm going to completely have a different opinion. It means a lot more when you're 38, 39, however old he is, than it does when you're 22, um, especially when you're banged up. It just takes time for the body to recover. I mean, uh, it's, it's true for everybody. And, yeah, the young guys – they're going to regenerate faster in that week. But a guy like Rod, he just needs it, you know? I don't know if he can get back to uh, health in the short periods of time. That's why, you know, guys like Mercedes and and whatnot, they get veteran rest days. They just need those extra days um, to be able to get back to full health for the game. Because it's it's better for them to have the less practice and, and better health than to be continually banged up and not at 100%, but slightly better practiced. But the other thought I had about the thumb is he's saying that the, the the one week helped. There were several people, and I don't know if I was ever really officially one of them, but there were several people that were a little bit upset that we didn't shut down Rodgers at some point, especially during that, that pretty lame stretch when we had supposedly an easy, easy part of our schedule. Hilariously, now it seems like this is the easy part of our schedule, although Detroit now is a good team, and I don't know if... if uh, I don't know. I don't know who's a good team and who's not, but it's just if it only took basically a week, and I'm not saying he's back to 100%, but if one week can get him back to feeling significantly better on that thumb and assuming it's not going to get right back to what it was before, that is a little frustrating because it's been what, like seven weeks? I just pulled that out of thin air. I have no idea. It's been a long time. And if it was just a one week shutdown to get him back to a healthier state that could have potentially. Helped us win more. Now, hindsight is 2020. Who knows? I mean, at the time you're looking at the quote unquote easy stretch, and you're like, well, I mean, you obviously at that point still think you're a high caliber team. I mean, we, we, yeah, we, we lost to the, lost to the Vikings week one, but we come back and boom, we beat uh, Tampa. We, we smashed Chicago. You know, we're, we're fine. We're not going to give up now. But, you know, again, in hindsight, if it's just a week, we could have had healthy Rodgers for the last five, six, seven, however many weeks would have been nice but we'll see we'll see how true that is and how much of an impact that has but if he comes back and he's mvp aaron Rodgers again yeah it's going to be a little frustrating that we couldn't hit this a little earlier anyways let's continue what they were talking about
2: guys get them in what week four yeah Yeah. Yeah. weeks coming like week four how do you think those should be dispersed later if you were in charge of the nfl what are some changes you'd make there
0: um i would probably go two bye weeks honestly smart Go two bye weeks, eliminate one if you're going to go 17. Go back 16 games, go two bye weeks.
1: (laughs) This is what happens when you ask a player how you would run the NFL. Uh, Go back to 16 games, eliminate another preseason game, give us another bye week. So we're going to eliminate two games. One of them he doesn't play anyways, but we're going to eliminate two games uh, just off the top, and then we're going to add a bye week. Um, So two less games, one more week of rest, you know, up the salary cap so we all make more money, less practice, less training camp, <laughs> less of everything that we don't like and more of everything we do.
0: Weeks <laughs> and uh take care of the player's safety a little bit better.
2: Yeah, so two bye weeks, one early in the season, one late in the season two for good. every team. Figure it out. I think what the move will be, and you know this as much as we do, they added a game they signed a $110 billion media rights deal that can be renegotiated every year with a new platform. They're going to be pitching for another game. You know that. There's another game that it's going to be pitched for within the next couple of years. That's when the next bye week will be added yep. so we could potentially add two more weeks to the season, which is bigger for the TV rights deals, the streaming rights deals, let alone playoffs, what they'll do. I
1: think that's coming. I, I do. I think. it's 18 games, two bye weeks, probably two preseason games. I'm all for that, man. I mean, I, I like the preseason more than that, but I, I think that would be a pretty cool way to go. Um, then you really can't have, you'd have two bye week sort of sections early and, and late. And so you have one early week bye, which, you know, would be between weeks, what, if it's 18, we're talking nine games. So in the first nine weeks, so between what, three and three and nine, and then between 10 and 18, you'd have another one. So if you have a late buy, it's it's week 9. If you have an early buy, it's week 3, which is kind of annoying. And it's it's especially going to be annoying if you have a week 3 buy and then a week, you know, whatever the latest one is, but they'd probably work that out so that doesn't happen. You you can't have two buys later than this much apart or whatever. You can't be more than 9 games apart. So if it's week 3, you'd have to have one in week 12. I don't know, I'm all for I, I I've always been for more football. I just am. Make it make it uh Make it 25 games and three buys. How about that? Let's do that. <laughs> I'm the opposite of Aaron Rodgers because I'm a consumer. He's putting his body out there. So it's all right. It is what it is. And we got this minor little comment, which has kind of been answered, but not exactly as direct. Will you stay in the game whenever you're done? Uh, no.
0: Okay. I don't think
2: so. <laughs> <laughs> That's a shame. The game will miss you forever, but go enjoy the
0: hell out of your life. Have you... I'll, I'll come on. I'll come on here and, and uh, give you updates on on how uh, life off grid is treating me from time to time. Though I, I I'd miss Ty too much. I'd have to come back. Oh
1: yeah. So I know he said he's never going to coach, and the thought process was just that it's way too much work. But maybe he would do something else, consult or whatever. I don't know. Um, maybe he wants to be a GM. They work like four hours a day. No, I'm just kidding. Jokes. But no, he's pretty adamant about when he steps away, he's all the way out and he wants to just... And, and, and this is part of what pushes me toward him. I don't want to say him retiring this year necessarily, but just him retiring. I know he loves the game. I know he loves the sport. But he has a burning desire to get away from all this, to get away from the media, to get away from football, to get away from the attention and to go out and just be free. It's a strong desire. And he, it, 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 when this season is done, he can do it. So he's he's getting pulled in two different directions, just a matter of which one's pulling harder. And so, you know, I hear a lot of people saying there's zero chance. There's too much money on the line he wouldn't walk away from and all these different things. He loves the game too much. I mean, yeah, I would probably lean toward he comes back if I had to pick right now, but I don't want to underestimate his drive to go just be that guy out by himself. I mean, you know, with, with friends and everything else, but to just go... And be free to do whatever you want, whenever you want. I mean, think about that. I'm sure there are four people listening that actually enjoy their job. Even though you love your job, what if I told you you could walk away and have infinite money to do whatever you want? Or you can still have the money, but you have to work. So you'd have to like save up your time so you get that one week of vacation. You can have a really awesome vacation. You can do cool stuff on the weekends, but you're still working. And you're not even working for money. You're just working for the love of it because you already have all the money you could ever want. And granted, you can make more, but it's not really going to impact your life at all. Which is the reality of the, the, what is it, 59 million or whatever amount of money he'd be walking away from that people keep citing. I don't want to under... I mean, that that is a big amount of money for any human being on Earth. I mean, Elon Musk would probably struggle to scoff at $60 million if somebody wanted to just put it in his living room. Granted, that's like me turning down $6, but, you know, I I would have a hard, kind of a hard time, I guess. But what is one thing Rodgers can't do today that he can do if he stays and plays? There there isn't a single thing. So, yeah, I mean, it's hard to turn it down, but I don't know. I just, I just, I'm not putting it at 0% like a lot of people are. 25, 30, 40? I don't quite think it's 55, but it, it could you know, 49? But then they kind of elaborate, and they ask him, like, you know, how's it going to be when you retire? Are you going to just go all wild and crazy, or whatever? You have He's that looking big, for those. You can have <laughs>
2: that big beard. You can have that big beard too. Hair out, completely ridiculous. Oh yeah. Is that what you're going to do when you get off like the? Grid? Tom
0: Hanks. Yeah, Wilson. No, I'm going to be. I'm going to be pretty chiseled, I think.
2: Oh yeah, you're going to get on that AJ Hawk stuff?
0: No, I, that's that's way too way too heavy. I can't get on that stuff.
2: That's because he's boozing during his Christmas holidays. What?
0: He's got to get a bunch of what?
2: horse stuff to get it out of him so he can still be a stallion in the morning. All right, let's jump into it. We missed this last
1: week. Mm-hmm. I only needed to play about 20% of that, but I thought it was funny. Um, and, and again, it's just look at the minor details he's got figured out about his retirement, how his body's going to change. He has a post-football diet and workout regimen. Already figured out. He's been, he's been thinking. <laughs> he's been thinking it over. He's got plans already. Anyways, after that, he peddles some astrology book, which is, I wonder if there's a single dumb thing on the planet he doesn't uh, think is real. I mean, the, the, the cool thing about buying into it and sort of being, I don't want to say a conspiracy theorist, but maybe, eventually one of them's going to hit, right? And when it does, you're a super genius. You know what I mean? I believe in this. And then, you know, 50 years later, science discovers, hey, man, turns out something to that. Not sure if that's ever happened, but I'm sure occasionally that happens. Anyways, I just want to end with, um, I mean, I guess completely turning our focus here to the Rams game that is this Monday, right now. And if you listen to yesterday's podcast, um, remember what I had said about Vegas having somewhat of a surprising line um, with picking Detroit over the Vikings. I was somewhat equally surprised to see, as of right now, The Green Bay Packers are seven-point favorites over the L.A. Rams. I know the Rams are struggling, but, I mean, if we're just, you know, staring at records, so are the Packers, right? So um, we'll dive more into what the heck is going on here. You've got the five-win Packers taking on the four-win L.A. Rams. I'll just say one thing, though. When I'm looking at that night, the first and only thing I've looked at so far in this matchup is how have the Rams done against the run. They are the fourth best team allowing just 4.0 yards um, per game. They're terrible running the ball. Their offense is what's really bad. Their defense, not as much. Now, listen, as the offense begins to mature, as Aaron Rodgers becomes more comfortable with Christian Watson, as we begin to implement Romeo Dobbs, I don't know that we necessarily need to lean on the run as much. There will be a time. I mean, we we saw it in the past. We didn't need the run for Rodgers and Devontae to have a thing. But the identity, as it has been, is run the ball really well, and that'll open up things in the passing game. I don't think we've gotten super far away from that at this point. We'll see how it goes, especially with Romeo Dobbs. This is just his first game back. I don't necessarily see Christian becoming more uh, impactful than he has been. I mean, he's already doing a lot of things. So, uh, I will say that's the first thing that's kind of catching me off guard a little bit. I'm also wondering, although I'm, I'm sure Vegas has an understanding about the Packers history after the bye week, but as the, you know, Vikings video, I played a lot of Vegas is also public perception. The perception largely is going to be the Green Bay Packers coming out of a bye in Lambeau in December Rams, you know, yeah, they, they beat the, uh, Las Vegas Raiders by one, and then they lost one, two, three, four, five, six. They were on a six-game losing streak. And to be honest, after starting two and one, um, they only won two of their next ten. Again, one of them was a one-point win over the Raiders, and that was the whole comeback thing or whatever. So a lot of it is perception, but we have to understand who are the Packers, who are the Rams, how do they match up, and kind of go from there. Anyways, I'm going to leave it at that for today. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.